If you like watching guys in kilts throw heavy objects all over a field, then you're going to love today's episode as I've got the world champion of the Highland Games, Phil Sansoda, joining me on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Game Time Guru. Now, as you guys know, the, the the purpose of my show is to create a panoramic view on sports. I want to help you guys see sports through a different lens and essentially help you guys become gurus of all sports. So that's why today we're touching base on one that you may not know of. It's called the Highland Games. I want to talk about it, but I brought a world champion on the show with me today. His name's Phil Sansoda. Philly and I worked together for a little while when we used to work for bodybuilding.com. That's where I got to know him, got to understand the game. Phil, I greatly appreciate you joining me on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm so stoked, man. So we're talking about the Highland Games. Now, for anybody who's listening, if you go and search it, you might see a couple guys in kilts um, throwing some, some objects in the air. But I want you, Phil, to tell us a little bit about the Highland Games. What is this? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of different, uh, there's a big debate about when the games got started, how did it get started. Uh, the romantic in me likes to think it was when the English took away all the Scottish weapons and they had to train for war, so they uh, started picking up stones and things like that. But uh, probably the, the real story was two brothers started drinking scotch. There's no TV back, you know, a thousand years ago, and they said, hey, I can throw that stone further than you. Well, I can throw that hammer further than you, and just uh, picked up steam from there. Dude, I love it, man. So yeah. what exactly do you guys do? So you throw like all these objects that got started um, and you go and you compete. What are some of the things you throw in the air? What are some of the, like, what are these things? They're like hammers, yeah. they're stones. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. There. So we have uh, nine events. Um, there's an implement, a different implement for each event. They're the, so basically the track and field games, partly based off of the Highland Games, right? So your shot put, your hammer throw, those all came from the Scottish games. Um, you start off with a Braemar, which is a 22-pound stone. You throw, like, just standing. Then you have an open stone, which is, like, a shot put. So it's a 16-pound stone. And, like, every stone is different, right? So you can go to one game that's 22 pounds, and it looks like this, like, big old potato. One's, like, a, like a you know, flat. It can be different. Um, you have a 42-pound weight for distance that so you throw one-handed spinning. Then you have a 28-pounder you throw one-hand spinning. You got a 16- and 22-pound hammer. Uh, weight over bar, which is like a 42-pound kettlebell you throw over your head, over a bar. You have the big caber, which everybody knows is the giant telephone pole. And then you have uh, the sheath, which is a pitchfork into a burlap sack full of uh, uh, twine. You throw that over a bar over your head. Dude, that's so rad. And if you remember, you obviously have to remember this. At bodybuilding.com, our old place of employment, they actually let us compete and like or try some of the events. Yeah. Do you remember that? I put that on. Like I brought all the equipment out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. And I didn't know how in the world. Like, so when you say like you put the pitchfork in the little burlap sack and throw it, like people think that sounds stupid. It is one of the most difficult things I've ever yeah. done, especially considering I've never tried it before. There's like a there's like a there's a technique to it all, like there to every is. one of those events. Yeah, I, so I, I, I pride myself on being an athlete. Like, I've always been pretty good at everything I've ever done. I sucked at the Highland Games. I mean, like, it was, like, the most humbling sport I've ever been. Because, I mean, you're doing – you're trying to be smooth and technical and fast. But you also have to, to push, you know, and, and throw and be strong. And 
man, like everybody has fallen like at least once throwing the 42 pound ball and chain. You hold it one hand and you spin around. I mean, it's, it's insane. So yeah, it's, it, it, it makes a, a humbled man out of all of us. That's awesome, man. And if, if, if you guys are listening to this, I highly encourage you to go YouTube it or something. What he's talking about, like they're, they're, spinning around they're throwing the weight like if you want to see it it's legit um it's it's actually really interesting it's it's a lot harder than it looks um but once you like start watching it it actually looks hard it it doesn't because right now it sounds like it's easy but when you watch it, you're like oh okay maybe that is difficult and then when you actually try it you're like dude this there's a lot of training that goes into this and we'll get into your training here in just a second but you mentioned that you were an athlete you're really good at pretty much everything you ever did um and then this was a humbling experience. I want to know when when you started and what even got you interested in competing in the Highland Games? Yeah, so I've been competing for seven years now. I'm going to my eighth year. Um, I actually I used to be a soccer player, um, and then I tore my ACL training. I was in a uh, play professional, and I was, I was 160 pounds. I was a small dude. And I ended up um, tearing my ACL, going to the gym to rehab, and I just started like weightlifting, and I kind of fell in love with actual lifting weights, got a little bit bigger, and my wife, her family's all Scottish, so we would go to the games, and we'd watch, and like I just, the competitive nature in me came out, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to try that. In my first game, I got my butt whooped, so really? after that, I was like, no more, like, I'll never be this bad again, and so I just slowly kind of got better and better, but yeah, me and my, my father-in-law, who's 70, uh, we both compete. He competes in the, like the senior masters, and I compete in the lightweights. Man, okay, so yeah. this is legit. Let's talk about that then. Okay, I didn't even know your father-in-law. That's great. So we're talking. Okay, so senior masters. You're in lightweights. So before the show, we we just briefly touched base on this. I want you to explain how the weight classes work in the Highland Games, and and like how those classes with the like the elite masters, what that even means, so that we can yeah. have an understanding. Yeah. So you have a uh, you have a lightweight. There's there's also the, the women's division, and they have the, the same kind of class structure. So they have a lightweight, a heavyweight. Lightweights are 200 pounds and under. Heavyweight is everything, man. We've got guys that are 450 pounds. Um, then you also have a master's division. And within each one of those divisions, there's different classes. So you have A's, B's, C's, elite. Then you also have a novice, which is for anybody who's ever like wanted to come out and compete and doesn't want to compete in a class. Novice is like your first time out. So I compete in the elite lightweights. Um, and my father-in-law is like in the senior, like vintage masters. He's so always like the oldest guy competing. Uh, yeah, so you, you basically you can find the right class that fits uh, fits kind of who you are. So if you're 40 years and older, you're a, you're a master. Okay. And yeah. when you first got started, you said you know it was kind of a humbling experience. Could your father-in-law at that time, before you you had put in all the work and all this stuff, when you first got started, could he hold his own against you? Uh, he did okay. Yeah, he. Uh, we both got started at the same time. I actually, my first game was what kind of got him to like. I'm gonna go out and do okay, this. Okay, okay. He's a big guy. He actually kind of got me into weightlifting and helped me kind of develop my my routine. So uh, yeah, we we both. I think we just over a, a bottle of scotch one night decided we're doing it. Like we're just gonna go out and do it. I love it, man. Um, talking about weightlifting and the training that's involved. So if if like this is for me okay but if i didn't know you and i heard about this i would have just thought it was like you just mentioned that there's guys that are like 400 plus pounds i would have just thought that was kind of like that because it's in a sense it almost sounds like a glorified track and field event where um you know you got some big dudes just tossing around a lot of weight uh, a lot of heavy objects but there's a lot of training that's involved there's there's weightlifting that's involved and you like you said pride yourself in being an athlete 
I've seen the training you put in, but I want you to explain what kind of workouts do you do to train for the Highland Games? Yeah, I mean, the best thing you could possibly do to train for the Highland Games is to go out and throw, right? Like, there, there's no amount of gym time that's going to prepare you for, like, the amount of dynamic movement you have to create to throw these weights and stay, like, without fouling out the trig. Um, that's probably a lot of jargon right there, but it's uh, – but when I do train in the gym, I do mostly Olympic lifting. Um, I actually, I try to do a lot of the same movement Olympic level shot putters do. So a lot of hang snatch, uh, front squats, a lot of box jumps, like plyometrics, um, a lot of stretching. So you're trying to keep my upper body and lower body strong, but still flexible. Cause you have to like, literally there's times where like, I'm so twisted and like my hips are going this way. My head's all the way back there, and I'm just trying to create as much of a, a long lever as I could possibly get to throw. So stretching is important, and then just, yeah, a lot of Olympic lifting. In regards to Olympic lifting, what's the most you've ever uh, power cleaned? Just a power clean, no snatch on top of it or anything like that. Power clean was 355. 355. Yeah. For a guy who's under 200 pounds, correct? Yeah. under 200 pounds. Dude. Yeah. Impressive, man. I'm telling you guys, I'm not just saying this. I, I watched Phil lift. He puts in time in the gym. Like you take the platform. Like this is how it was. If you guys <laughs> him on a Saturday morning, and we saw your bag there with your your you know your sweet Nike whatever the Romeros. I don't even know if that's what they are, yeah. but they're like your platform Olympic shoes. We we're like, oh, we're not lifting on the platform today. Phil's <laughs> gonna be here for two hours. You got your chalk. You got everything. It's it's serious business, dude. When you get to the yeah. gym, or it was is is a lot of a lot of work. Thanks, um, man. Yeah. Oh man. So the, the competitions we're, we're here in Idaho, but I want to know, like, do they have competitions here in Idaho or locally around the regions? How do the competitions work? If you want to yeah. compete? Honestly, you could find like a Scottish Highland game going on every weekend somewhere in the United States. Okay. You can literally, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. We actually competed with a guy from Scotland and he was just like, you guys say this way too serious. Like, I can't believe how serious you guys take the Highland games. Yeah, we in Idaho actually is a very big, uh, very big chapter that pretty much runs all of the uh, the nation. So Idaho is a, a huge sweet spot for the Highland Games. But yeah, you can find a game going on anywhere across the uh, country. Man, okay. So how do you have to pay to go uh, spectate? Because I don't know if you have to pay to actually compete. I'm I'm assuming there might be something that you have yeah. to do to compete. But like to spectate, like to watch as a fan, do you have to pay? Yeah, typically, so if you go to any Celtic festival, there's typically a Highland Games competing within that festival. So you have to just pay the gate fee to get in. Um, a lot of the local games here, we just have the games. We don't have a whole festival attached, and it's free to enter. Um, to compete, usually it's like 20, 30 bucks. Okay. And you get a free t shirt and all that fun stuff and free drinks. And usually people out there are smoking cigars, hanging around scotch, and you're throwing big stuff. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's worth the money. That's awesome, man. That's totally you, though. That's like when you said that yeah. cigar scotch. That's that's Phil Sansoda right there. <laughs> Love it. Um, so you made your way to a world championship. Um, I want to know how you even qualified to compete in a world championship, and then we're going to actually get into that competition in itself. So, how did you even qualify to get to a world championship competition, which was overseas? It wasn't even here in the United States. So, I want to yeah. start with the journey. So, it, the uh, the rules kind of they've been like continually evolving and changing. The first time I went over to Hungary for a little championship, you had to have a certain number of points accumulated on a national database. So that's one of the reasons it got me really into it as well. Like my first game I competed, I saw where I ranked against guys from like back East, you know, all over the country. And it kind of motivates you to like, okay, one more point through getting one more foot or whatever it may be. 
Um, so they take the top 10 athletes based off this point system on, you know, this database, and then they'll select those people to go overseas to compete. Um, this last year, we had an actual qualifier at Nationals. So the top four guys at Nationals uh, got the invite. So you actually, you know, we had guys that were like in the top five that took seventh, eighth, and they got bumped out. Man, and so how do you even get yeah. to nationals? Like, what is it the same system? Like, you have same a point system, system? Yeah, yeah. So the point system applies to nationals, and the nationals you got to compete, take the top four, and they get invited to uh, worlds. So. Okay, you get over to the world championships. How many times have you actually competed in in worlds? Um, I want to say four four world championship um, competitions. Four four world yeah. championship competitions yeah. and. You you've won it once or twice or how many times? That was my my first one. So I took second back in 2015. Um, I was favored to win in 2016, man. I was killing it, and I tore my ACL, my other ACL, uh, and uh, that put me out for the year. So coming back and winning was pretty incredible. So when you get there to the event, you pretty much got the best of the best. Yeah. What is the event like there compared to like a local event in Idaho? Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more intense. It's going to be a little bit. I mean, it, that's it's the world's compared to like a local. Just uh, you know, it's funny because like in Hungary, it's they. Uh, like I said, the Europeans don't take it as serious as we do, and so we we had it was the worst conditions I've ever thrown in. Man. Like they, we were in this like park that was like really sandy and dirty and like little tufts of crabgrass. I mean, it wasn't very good conditions. You know, they had all of, like, this European TV, just filming Sports Network, filming us, which is pretty awesome, but really no fans. Like, here in Idaho, the World Championship will be held in Mountain Home in 2018 because the facilities and, like, the grounds are so pristine. Like, they won the bid to uh, host the Worlds here. So, it's going to be awesome. You got to come out for that, man. It's going okay. to be awesome. I will. That's freaking all right. dope. All right. Yeah, yeah but, yeah, Worlds in, uh, in Hungary, it's, it's funny. It's uh, it's definitely it's not what you would expect, but it's uh, you know, it's still a good time. Like everybody still has their uh, their game face on. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And um, let's see. You, I, from what I saw when you were posting it on social media, it seems like your your world championship was a pretty close event. Is that not? Is that correct? Uh, like a close game? Yeah. Didn't it come down to the wire or something? Yeah, so um, it was my worst game of the year, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I just – so coming back from the ACL, like, I, I, I did a pretty good job of training to get my, myself back up to the level that I was. Um, and then mid-year, I don't know if you knew my wife got hit by a car, so she ended up – was in the hospital for, like, a long time. And we ended up – we ended up – I mean, I ended up living with my in-laws with her because we had to stay with them and take care of her, and I couldn't really train. So, man, my, my throws was down. Um, I managed to get the invite to Worlds and uh, just, dude, like the third event, I fouled out my first two throws and you get three throws per event. Fouled out the first two and if I didn't make my third throw and actually get a mark, I mean, I my day would have been over right there. And I ended up pulling out of my butt and get like a pretty decent throw to get me to the third place. And I had three times, man, where it was just like the last throw, like most, like all my throws were fouls. Last throw got me in. And then the very, very last event, it was like pouring down rain. It was the biggest caber. Because it was in on caber, the big telephone pole. Biggest caber I've ever seen, right? And uh, I had to get two perfect 12 o'clock. So, like, when you throw the caber, you want to land perfectly in front of you. So, you get a perfect time. It's, right. Yeah, so you don't, you don't want to throw for distance. You want to throw for time. So, it has to be like a perfect throw. And I got my two 12s, one by one points, And uh, got my first world championship, man. 
It was, dude, it was wild, dude. It was wild. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I, I didn't know the details. I just thought it was pretty close from what she had posted. So How are you, yeah. are you still planning on going like competing, competing, competing so that you can get to mountain home? Um, yeah. Worlds again. So I actually, um, being the world champion, I'm already automatically qualified. Oh, okay. I, actually, okay. I don't have to compete at all this year if I don't want to, but I, I want to. Oh, so, that's rad. Okay. So you yeah, don't have, if yeah. you win a world championship or you're a world champion, you are automatically qualified then, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. That's actually pretty dope. Now, I want to touch base on your ACL. You mentioned like you came back from an ACL injury, which is why it's even more impressive that you made it there and you won, even though it was like one of your worst events that you had or what worst game sorry that you had um but your torn acl obviously you said that it, it kind of derailed your soccer uh path um when it happened a long time ago for that it's crazy that you you came back from it and you were able to put the work in especially with all the conditions this last year you just mentioned there was an accident with your, your wife and there was a car situation there uh, on top of your acl recovery this and that um your torn acl like any sport it's gonna be tough but yeah Man, when you when I watch some of the videos of you guys throwing, when, especially the ones that when you're twirling around, there's a lot of torque and pressure that goes on the knees and, and the ankles and all sorts of stuff. So it, it kind of makes me wheezy when I see that you like, tore your ACL and you're still doing all that stuff with a lot of weight in your hands. Like it's easy to like tweak your knee again. I mean, what was the toughest part about coming back from ACL injury? And like, what's the most rewarding thing about being able to fight through it and go? Yeah, honestly, um, so it is it's very, very violent. The emotions that you're creating, like, it's a very violent movement. Um, I think, honestly, the, the toughest part was the mental aspect, right? Coming back, um, losing so much. And, I mean, dude, I, I was, like, in practice, I was setting every world record, you know, in practice, like, ready to, to go in 2016. When I tore the ACL, it was just such a defeat that it was um, it was tough to come back mentally from that. You know, the knee, the knee actually healed up pretty quick. Within three months of the surgery, I mean, I was almost back at 100%. I said I had like the, uh, the ACL fused to the bone was the, the biggest drawback. But, I mean, when we tested my knee out, they're like, your knee is ready to go. Like, it's just up to you to let it heal and not re-tear it. Um, so coming back mentally and trusting my body, and I still am not the same thrower I was before I tore it, and I think I'm, I'm starting to get there finally. But um, trusting that my body is, like, you know, is, is fixed, and that I can still like create those violent movements and that my knees not gonna tear again. Uh, that was the hardest part. But the most rewarding, honestly, was coming back and winning the world championship, you know, on the yeah. 20 CL. Like like coming back, fighting through all those setbacks, you know, and just having that perseverance and that, that mental toughness. Like I, I you know, I had the conversations in my head, like after I fouled out two throws and my third throws, like if you foul again, you're done. If you get a safety throw and you don't put it out there and actually like you're like buried in 15th place, you're done. So having that, that kind of mental toughness, like, you know, what'd you fight for? Like, why were you training in your, your garage gym? That's five degrees out, you know, in the middle of winter, like, what are you doing that for? You're doing it for a world championship. So fighting back through all that and uh, winning, that was definitely the most rewarding for sure. That's so dope, man. Um, to finish up, Phil, I just want to know, What's your favorite event? Like, what's your strongest event? The one that you enjoy the most? Like, that's your strong event. When you come up to that one in each game, like, you know that this is where you're going to dominate. What's your favorite one? Yeah. Um, so probably the ones that don't require a lot of movement, I can just kind of stand there and throw stuff. <laughs> I like it a lot. I, I had the world record in the Bramer, which is a standing 22-pound stone. Okay. Um, that one I love just because it's just you're just pushing that thing out, like, with all your force. Not a lot of technique. Um, it's just pure power, right? 
Same with weight over bar. I held the world record in weight over bar as well, and that's a 42-pound ball on a, a kettlebell. And you throw it over bar as high as you can. But definitely the caber. Caber, I'd say, is my absolute favorite just because, like, I won the world championship on it. Um, I've turned some of the biggest sticks, like, pros can't even turn. So, like, for me, the caber is just so iconic. You know, it's just a – when you think of the, the Highland Games, you think of the caber. So if you're a good caber tosser – and dude, like usually you're sitting there for nine hours competing, like start to finish is a nine hour day. Wow. And when I, when I won the world championship, all the Europeans, like they gassed out, like they were like, they couldn't hang for more than five hours. So they're not used to throwing for that long. And so when it came to caber for me, that's like when I got my, to my best, when everybody else was dropping off. And so that's when I was like, all right, I got this. I love it, man. And, uh, what's the, the biggest thing or the best thing that the Highland games has taught you or what's your favorite thing since you started competing that, that you've learned through competing in the yeah. games? Honestly, there's a lot of like the camaraderie. I mean, you're, you're throwing against these guys that are, you know, your competitors on the field, but truth be told, like you, you know, I hang out with a lot of them. Like some of the, the world champion from last year, he's Romanian and we became really, really close friends. And, you know, same with my number one competitor here in the United States. You know, we, uh, we, we want to work together like on his business and he trains me. Like he, he helps me. He's, he's like one of the, he's a, a veteran in the, in the sport. And so like, it's just the, the camaraderie is awesome. You know, you get to work with a lot of guys that are just like-minded. They know how hard it is to get to where they, you know, where you are. So I like that. And then also, honestly, the, the mental toughness, like when, uh, when at bodyman.com, like when I was trying to move up through customer service and trying to work towards my, my career path, you know, it's just having that kind of like attitude, that mindset that like, you know, you're like a champion, like you're alpha, like you're going to go out and you're going to achieve it and you're going to work hard for it. And you kind of, you have to have that for uh, the Highland games. And so that kind of, you know, leaches over to uh, my career a little bit. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it, you can take things. That's, that's perfect that you said that. Cause I'm trying to teach people through this podcast that you can learn things in sports. It's not just a bunch of dumb jocks. You can actually take things through whatever sport you compete in, whatever sport you participate in. And you can like actually, put that into your life, whether it be your career, yeah. your home life, whatever. And it actually has, they, they go side by side. And so I'm, I'm glad that you actually just said that. Um, Phil, I greatly appreciate you joining me, man. I love you. I hope everybody enjoyed this and, and has a little bit more of a, I guess, a respect and a, a better view on what the Highland Games are. And we're going to be expecting to, to see you win another one in 2018. Mountain home, right? Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, dude. I appreciate you, you, Philly. I appreciate it, man. Not a problem. And for all you guys out there, we'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.